night in Bible college, and uh, I was going over the different verses in the chapter and remembered a story. I posted that on Facebook today. I encourage you to go read it. And, uh, it's about an experience that I had as a young Christian, as a young preacher uh, with a man named Brother Jim. And uh, anyhow, uh, it is a, uh, um, he was a, he made an impact on my life even though I was only with him for a short time. And uh, I was telling the, uh, the uh, college last night, he was, uh, he was an old black man and uh, probably about six foot five or six foot six. He was a real big man. And anyhow, um, I went out on visitation with a deacon and ended up at his house. His house was grown up, the wood or the trees and all were grown up around it. And as you walk to his front door, uh, the, the house was falling apart. Uh, it was an old farmhouse uh, tucked back in the woods. And as you can imagine, all the growth and everything covered up the roads and it come in in the yard, uh, on the house and all. So we walked up to the porch. The steps were all messed up and the porch was all messed up, holes in the porch and everything. And I remember walking up on the porch and Brother Clayton knocked on the door and he wanted me to meet brother Jim and uh, he had worked at a brother Jim had worked his entire life as an attendant at a gas station uh, back when they uh, did full service at a gas station you know and they uh, anyhow that's what brother Jim did anyhow we got there and uh, told him and introduced brother Clayton introduced him to me me to him and uh, we walked inside and anyhow uh, we we talk for a moment, and uh, Brother Clayton, he was a deacon of the church that I was at, and me and him always went soul winning together, and he said, he said, Brother Jim, I want Brother Robbie to preach to you, and uh, he says, he's a young preacher boy, he's just starting off, I was in my, uh, probably around 30 years of age at that time, he says, I want you to, I want you to hear him preach, and so I got up, man, and I, right there in the living room with, with Brother Clayton and, and Brother Jim, I threw down. I mean, I preached as hard as I could preach. And uh, I was sweating, hollering, carrying on. Uh, I think I even run across the... Uh, and Brother Jim couldn't see nothing, right? And uh, he, was, uh, he was about blind. And uh, he had a TV sitting over there in the corner. And it had the snow. Uh, if y'all remember that, it had the snow. He had an antenna on it. And it had the snow. Uh, you couldn't even tell what the picture was. But you could hear voices coming through it. And he had it up loud because he couldn't hear and uh, we walked into that house, and he had a rocking chair he had sat right in front of a, uh, uh, a heater, one of them little old space heaters, and he sat there with a crocheted afghan over his lap, and uh, anyhow, he got turned around, and I went to preaching, and man, he hooped and hollered, and he carried on, and uh, you'd have thought that uh, I was the best preacher in the world, and I thought I was preaching to 10,000, so me and him worked out real good. Anyhow, Brother Clayton said, man, I want him to pray. I want, I want Brother Jim, I want you to pray over Brother Robbie. And uh, so anyhow, I got down on my knees right there, and Brother Jim stood over me and uh, put his hand on my head, and he went to praying. And I was telling the church, or telling the college, I've told the church, it's not a new story, but I literally felt like God was in the room with us. Amen. I, I felt like, had I looked up at that moment, 
I would have seen Jesus. Uh, I told the college last night, I ain't real sure that Jim wasn't Jesus. <laughs> uh, but I remember, uh, as I can remember the moment, uh, I can remember the tears, I can remember looking at that old man's feet he had on sandals, and I remember looking at his feet and expecting to see another set of sandals. Uh, I, I mean, I, I just remember that this man, here he sat with nothing, absolutely nothing. We walked up to that house, and I thought I was coming to be a blessing to him, and, and he was a blessing to me. <laughs> when we left, he said, I was as happy to see you too as two $100 bills. And I've never forgot that statement. He said, I was as happy to see you as if, if I'd have seen two $100 bills. Holes in the floor, no heat, no air, no cable, no phone, no body, no family. The community took care of Brother Jim. They brought groceries and put him on his porch. That's how he got food. Nobody to take care of him. No car, nowhere for him to go. People in the community would take care of his electricity. People in the community would do things to help him, right? But he was the godliest man I think I've ever been in the presence of. So I study later and I come across 1 Timothy chapter number 6 and I have it in my Bible. You can see it. I highlighted verse 6, 7, and 8 and in my Bible I wrote Brother Jim. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain for we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. I was looking at this, and after last night, my mind has just been on it. I, I didn't plan on saying anything in college about Brother Jim, but as I was teaching, it all flooded back, all the memories of that day and being in that house. And I got to thinking that so many of us, especially this time of the year, we were just grateful and thankful for all that we had last year, right? We spent last week in thankfulness. We gathered around tables with family with more food on the table than what we could possibly eat. Uh, we sat at large tables. We sat in ACs or heaters. I don't know. I can't remember. I, I, I don't know what your, I don't know how y'all are like, all right? At my house, the heater never gets turned on, all right? And uh, praise the Lord. It, our heater has still not been turned on, all right? And so anyhow, uh, that's, how, that's how we roll at the Harrington house, all right? We make sure it's cold enough to kill anything that comes in there, all right? But anyhow, no matter what it was, you were counting blessings last week and being thankful. And then Friday, some of y'all forgot all about all them blessings that y'all prayed about and thanked God about. And y'all went out and y'all, I need somebody to help me. Don't get quiet on me right here. You went out there and you probably looked for a deal. I got to have this deal or I ain't going to be able to buy this for Christmas or I ain't going to be able to do this for Christmas. 
And if you missed out on Friday, you probably spent Monday. Oh, I got somebody, somebody, hey, man. You can tell, y'all hear that? Y'all hear that? Oh, that was, yeah. I thought you was just going to leave it at Black Friday shopping. I wasn't getting up early to go Black Friday shopping, but man, on Monday, Cyber Mondays. I just, all I got to do is click, right? That's all I got to do. Hey, brother. Hey. And if we're not careful, uh, if we're not careful, then we put our confidence, we put our love in material things. Mindset, the memories of Brother Jim, and I guess with Thanksgiving, I wanted to just talk tonight on this subject of godliness. I wrote down, uh, I mean, you can look it up godliness and you can get a hundred different definitions. Uh, but one definition that I like that I seen that another preacher had wrote is very short. But it said, godliness is a lifestyle that consistently reflects the character of God. Godliness is a lifestyle that consistently reflects the character of God. Now, we know that we are to be conformed to His Son's image. You and I are to be conformed to the image of Christ, right? You and I are to be transformed, right? Be not conformed. Be, be ye not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, right? By the renewing of your mind, all right? And so we know that we are to be different, all right? We are, uh, uh, we have a command that we are to be different and we have a direction in which we are to be different and that is we are to conform to the image of Christ or we are, as godliness says, to consistently reflect the character of God. So that brings about the question, what is the character of God? And there's plenty, but I'll just give a few. God is holy. Right, we all know that. That's an attribute of God. He's holy, which means that He is without sin and He cannot be in the presence of sin. Him and sin cannot coexist. There ain't no coexist uh, stickers in heaven, all right? Uh, uh, God's holy. Uh, He's truthful. He's truth, right? I need somebody to say amen. God cannot lie by two immutable things. It's impossible for God to lie, which means God is truth. He's truthful. God is trustworthy. You can put your faith in God, right? He's faithful, right? He's faithful. Every morning, uh, uh, every morning the sun rises, He's faithful. Every day, every day the sun goes down, He's faithful. He's gracious. He's gracious. He doesn't have to give us anything. He's gracious. Uh, He's loving. The Bible says God is love, right? The Bible says love is from God. Love is God. God is love, right? The Bible says He's kind. We sang a song tonight that Him being kind. I think we can all testify to that. He's gentle. (laughs) Somebody say amen right there. He's meek. He has the power to do it. But he does it. Now I want you to think about that in light of mercy because that's another characteristic of God. He's merciful, right? He has the power in his meekness. He can, he, he could just obliterate us all. He's, 
He's, he, he's destroyed the earth before. Thank God for a promise that he won't do it again, at least by water. But we do know that he's capable of doing it, and yet he's meek. He doesn't. Uh, we see that he's, he's righteous. He's just. Uh, he's compassionate. He's merciful. He's forgiving. He's long-suffering. Patient, right? All right, so if godliness is a lifestyle that consistently reflects the character of God, then our life should consistently reflect the attributes, the character of God that I just illustrated and just talked about, right? His holiness, His uh, truthfulness, trustworthiness, His graciousness, His love, His kindness, His gentleness, His meekness, His righteousness, uh, His justness, His compassionate, uh, He's merciful, He's forgiving, long-suffering and patient. Every, our lives ought to reflect that. You agree or disagree? All right. So every one of us can walk in godliness, right? All right? We can walk in godliness by understanding the path to godliness. I, I want to lay that out in 1 Timothy chapter number 6, if I can, just for a few moments. We're going to look at some pathways, all right? I notice, first off, as we look at this, I want you to notice the pitfalls of godly individuals, all right? Uh, Paul is right to Timothy here, and Timothy is a protege of Paul. Timothy is, if you will, Paul's son, and Paul is writing to Timothy and instructing him on things that he's to handle in the church. And so here he begins, I'm going to begin in verse number three. We could go back to verse number one and verse number two, but verse number one and verse number two is concerning servants and masters, all right, which in biblical times and especially in this writing, it would have been slavery, all right, and those and what the responsibilities of that was. Now in application, it still applies to us because it is how we treat our employer, all right? Not, so, not that he's necessarily our master, uh, but it's how an a employee and employer ha, should treat one another. But we're going to move on to verse number three. And the Bible says, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine, uh, which is according to godliness... All right, now the reason I bring this up is because we can look at this and we can say, you know what, he's talking to ministers here. He's talking to people that teach and I don't teach, Brother Robbie. But I've learned that in, I've learned, all right, that everybody takes the opportunity to teach. Uh, let me explain myself. So have you ever been sitting around somebody and everybody, they're, they're sitting around and they know you're a Christian or somebody else or something, they know you're a Christian and, and they're talking about the Bible in some way or another and they tell you, doesn't the Bible say this? Right? Or either they, 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 they try, so we're always trying to teach. So it doesn't matter if you're standing behind a pulpit, doesn't matter if you're standing behind a podium, we tend to teach or give our opinion at least, all right? We may not call it teaching right now because you're scared to death of what's coming out later. But uh, uh, it is you're giving your opinion on something in a manner to uh, enlighten or to give knowledge to somebody else, all right? So in a way, we all teach. Can I get a witness? The Bible says, all right, if any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, verse number four, 
Uh, he is what? Proud. proud. He's proud. Knowing nothing. Uh, knowing nothing. But doting about questions and stripes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, and evil surmisings. Keep on going, if you will. Perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness. From such withdraw thyself. And so this is the mindset, all right, of what I was talking about a moment ago when we feel like that to be godly, all right, or the teaching, the thoughts is, the godlier I am, the more God's going to bless me. And I want you to listen to me because this is where a lot of people live. We're more interested in the blessings of God than the blesser. We're more interested in the blessings than the blesser. All right, this is the danger. This is a pitfall of a godliness is to start thinking that because by, by us being godly that we deserve something in return from God, right? I need somebody to help me. Y'all got to help me. Y'all got to, if you don't understand it, raise your hand and we'll talk about it now. But the idea, there's a lot of people that have the mindset and the idea that if I'm doing right, then God is blessing me. And we've got a church full. I'm talking about, when I say the church, I ain't talking about a building. I'm talking about the body. We got a bunch of believers that believe, all right, that if they live right, if they do right, then God's just going to pour blessings on them. We hear preaching about the tithe and say, we hear people say, if you'll give your tithe, God will open up the portals of heaven and dump out more blessings and all of this other. And it equates to, all right, if I tithe, then I'm going to get material things in return. And we have this mindset. Is everybody all right? The next verse, I want you to look at what it says. Paul said, don't get into this mindset of that gain is godliness, all right? He says, but godliness with contentment is great gain. In other words, this is what Paul's trying to teach a young Timothy. It doesn't matter if you don't have anything. It don't matter if you're broke. All right? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Now, I, I, I use the illustration of Black Friday and Cyber Monday just to prove that we ain't content. We're not content. We, we say that we're content. But are we really? We're already, come on, I, I'm sorry. I didn't, want to, I didn't want it to be a bad night, all right? But I'm, I'm as guilty of it as, as anybody in here because I promise you what I was doing on Cyber Monday was looking for deals on hunting stuff, everybody, all right? And uh, I, I mean, and let me say this. These, they don't give no deals anymore, all right? And, uh, but anyhow, uh, 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 I, I'm guilty of it just as much as anybody else. Are you content tonight? See, there's a pitfall in ungodliness. Or there's a pitfall of godly individuals. The pitfalls are riches, materialism. And according to, that, according to the scripture here, those things are pride. It's, it's, it's a root of pride. When you and I feel like we deserve something from God, when you and I feel like God owes us something for the way that we're living, you know, we, God doesn't owe us anything. We owe God living a godly life. We're to live a godly life. That's our debt to God. He owes us nothing. 
And so if I'm going to be a godly man, if you're going to be a godly man, if you're going to be a godly woman, then we have to recognize first off the pitfalls of where it gets dangerous for somebody that's trying to live godly. Where it gets dangerous is when we are seeking reward for our service. And it happens in the church all the time. We do something, we want the preacher to announce it from the pulpit. We do something, we want it to put on, put on the social media pages. We do something, we want acknowledgement. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not getting on to anybody about that. But the, the problem is, is that we want, a, we want a reward or recognition for doing what we ought to be doing anyhow. See, there's pitfalls to this thing, and we don't even realize how many of us are living in these pitfalls. We're not content and therefore, we're not contending. God, I was thinking about this all night last night. Brother Johnny, I was thinking about an old man sitting in a rocking chair in front of a heater with no TV, a black and white TV over in the corner that don't even have a picture on it. You know what me and Michelle did? My sister called me up. She said, hey, I want to buy mom and dad a, a TV. Will you go in half with us? I was like, yeah, just get it. Tell me how much I owe you. And she calls me back. She said, hey, we found a TV, and it was... X amount of dollars. I was like, where'd you find it at? I'm going to buy one myself. <laughs> Is everybody all right? And so we bought one for mom and dad because they, their TV looked blue. Is everybody all right? And, and then me and Michelle got one. You know where I put my TV that I bought? On my back porch. It's on my back porch. Just in case me and Michelle want to sit out there, listen to the pond. Listen to, Is everybody all right? Listen to all the bullfrogs. And sit out there, watch a football game or anything else. I got me a TV. I didn't need a TV. It's a it's the fourth one that I have in my house. My mom asked me. She said, "You gonna put a TV in the in the? Uh, uh, are you gonna put a TV in the bathroom?" I said, "No." I said, "I can take a shower in my bathroom. I can get in the shower and I can be taking a shower and I can look right through the door and see the TV in the living room." Uh, y'all think I'm lying. It's the truth. Uh, I, 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 I mean, I, I didn't need it. Amen. Come on, y'all help me. I didn't need it. But it, it was a good deal. I mean, it was a good deal. I get on the shell all the time. She's like, she's like, I saved 50%. No, you didn't. You spent 50% that we wasn't even going to spend. Is everybody all right? I get on to her all the time, but yet I, I do, I'm guilty of the same thing. Because we, 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 for some reason, we feel like we got to keep up with everybody else and we, we deserve that because we're living a Christian life. Is this hitting with anybody? Do, do, do we see how, I, I, all I can think about, but Johnny was a, a rocking chair, an old man, a heater, a crocheted afghan and him just sitting there content as he could be not a soul around nothing and then when he prayed I knew that there was somebody around and man, it got me. Man, I was under conviction all night last night thinking about all the things that I have that distracts me from having the same relationship that Jim has. I need, I need a man to hear me in here. 
We need some more Brother Jims. We need some more men that can pray over young preachers and young men that are starting families and let them know that God is real. I'd sat in a many a church service and I've heard of many of prayers, but I've never felt as close as I was to God with that man talking to him. And he had nothing. Our power goes out. We get on our $1,000 phone with our $200 data plan and complain and gripe because we're inconvenienced. We deserve this and we deserve that. We don't deserve anything. We say it ain't fair that I don't get to have things that somebody else might have. I'm trying to get through it, I promise you. There's pitfalls of godly individuals. We ain't, we, a, a godly individual doesn't need riches. They're not focused on materialism, what they have. They're humble. Paul said it like this, I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. There's people that's already planning on what they're going to buy their kids. And we're going to spend all kind of money. I'm, I'm guilty. I walked through the other day and me and Michelle, we was walking somewhere, we were walking through and there was a motorcycle. I said, boy, why it sure would like that. Michelle's like, oh, man, he sure would. Well, it ain't but $600. <laughs> Is everybody all right? I wouldn't spend 100 on my kids, but the grandbaby. I need, is everybody all right? The grandbaby, I'm like, don't seem so much. I didn't buy it. Y'all okay? All right. But it's just that mindset. Man, I'd love to be able to give my grandkid a $600 motorcycle. Of course, he'd have to leave it out at my house which means he's coming to see Pop-Pop. You got to work them things good, man. You got to give good presents, keep them at your house where the kid tells the parents, hey, look, we need to go to Pop-Pop Mimi's. We all, we, all, we, we don't want to admit it, but we all I want us to do, let, let's do a break check tonight. We all fall into these pitfalls. I want you to notice, let me, let me hurry. The perspective of a godly individual. We've seen the pitfall of a godly individual, but I want you to notice the, the perspective of a godly individual. Their eyes are on eternity. Amen. Did you hear me? Their eyes are on eternity. Their hearts beat in gratefulness. 
Their feet walk in holiness and their hands are involved in the work. Their hands are involved in the work. See, the perspective of a godly individual is that we brought, verse number seven, we brought nothing into this world. And it is certain we can carry nothing out. Right? We brought nothing into this world and it is certain we, you, you, you don't see a U-Haul trailer behind a hearse. I, I'm reminded, J. Vernon McGee, I don't know how many of y'all know the old preacher, preached the, through the Bible series, the Bible bus. But J. Vernon McGee, he told an illustration, and a lot of the illustrations that y'all hear, if they're not mine, I, I love J. Vernon McGee. I like to read behind J. Vernon. I like to listen to him. I can recognize his voice. My, I, I, you can be talking on, you can be listening to him on the radio, and I pick up the phone, talk to you, and I know you're listening to J. Vernon. But anyhow, he said that there was an old man that died, had a, a, a lot of money. And he was dying and in the hospital and he was, taking a, he was coming towards near the end and all the family come in, all of his kids got there. And he called for his lawyer and his lawyer came in and his lawyer went in to meet with him and while he was, his lawyer was in with him, the man died. The lawyer stayed with him there for a little bit and he walks out, and when he walks out, he walks over to the children, and the first thing out of the children's mouth were, well, how much did he leave us? And the lawyer said, everything. How much did he leave? Everything. He couldn't take anything with him. He couldn't take anything with him, and that's our life. That's the perspective. Somebody that's godly, that's the perspective that they have on life. I'm not taking any of this with me. The things that you and I are, the things that you and I are, are working hard for, and the things that you and I are grappling and fighting over sales on and everything else, you could die tomorrow and your kids will fight over it. You'd be better off to give your kids godly parents than you had to leave them money for them to live ungodly with. I need, man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to help somebody. I'm trying to help me. The pitfalls of godly individuals, the perspective of godly individuals, the pursuit of godly individuals. I want you to look down with me, if you will, in verse number 11. It says, but thou, O man of God, flee these things. What things? Let's look back in verse number 9 because it goes with the pitfalls. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. And into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted uh, after, they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. In other words, the pursuit of money and riches, the pursuit of these things, the love of it and the pursuit of it, he says, is the root of all evil, and, and by it, it has caused many to err from the faith, and have caused many to pierce themselves through with many sorrows. All right? But thou, old man, flee these things. Those things. Y'all see it? Flee those things. All right? Now listen. And follow after righteousness, 
godliness, faith, love, patience, meekness. That's what God expects out of you and I. If we're going to pursue something, let's not pursue material things. Let's not pursue money, but let's pursue righteousness, right? Come on, being right with God, being right with one another. Let's pursue godliness, and that is a lifestyle that consistently reflects the character of God. Having faith, right? Uh, uh, having love, patience, meekness. Those are things that we're to pursue if we're going to be godly. Do you want to be godly? Let me ask you this. Do you want to be godly? I want to be godly. I hope that there's some, I hope that there's some, some man that stands in a pulpit somewhere, some, somewhere in America that stands up and has a story about Brother Robbie. And about the impact that I've made on his life. Not in my preaching. Not in a performance. But in godliness. We see the pitfalls of godly individuals. The perspective of godly individuals. The pursuit of godly individuals. And then lastly the practices of godly individuals. The Bible says in verse number 12. Fight the good fight of faith. They fight the good fight. Not every fight. I need somebody to help me. They fight the good fight. Not every fight. Boy, we need to get a hold of that one. I need to get a hold of that one. Fight the good fight of faith. And then the Bible says this, and they lay hold on eternal life. Once again, J. Vernon McGee, I was reading behind him, and he says to make it, uh, or to make it clear by the actions of your life that you are a Christian. That's what laying hold of eternal life, that's what J. Vern says. He says it's to make it clear by the actions of your life that you are a Christian. And he gave, I, I, never, I did not know that J. Vernon said this, and so anyhow, uh, but you've heard me say it before, and I've heard other preachers say it, but if you were put on trial in a court of law, and you were accused of being a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would there be enough evidence in your life and in your actions to convict you? I know it's been difficult tonight because I've had a hard time trying to articulate the words of this. But we're living in a day and time where we're so focused on our wants, desires. We're so focused on things that we don't need. We're so distracted by those things. We look at the scripture and we say, oh, he's talking about a rich man, not even realizing that we're rich. Well, bless God, I ain't rich. I ain't rich. I, I love it when people come up here and they, they're like, hey, preacher, I can't afford to pay my bills. I'm just, we're struggling. We're poor. We're everything else. And pull out a $1,000 cell phone. <laughs> we ain't poor. 
You may not have what everybody else has, but we are not poor. I need somebody to help me. Matter of fact, Jesus said about the church of Laodicea that they, they, they think they're rich. He was talking about it. I can't remember exactly how he worded it, but you and I, we're, we're rich in material things, but poor in the spiritual things. That's right. Hmm. Think about it. We're rich when it comes to material things. Most of us have multiple TVs in the house. You got enough clothes in your house, probably, that you ain't got to, you ain't got to wash clothes for at least two weeks, three weeks. I need somebody to help me. And Lord, help we go up in the closet and see all them clothes that you put away because you get on a little weight, but you ain't ready to get rid of them. I need somebody to help me. Me and Michelle could fill up a Goodwill. Amen. With shoes. Michelle <laughs> too. Take her over there. I go to preach. She said, where are you going? I'm going to play golf. Where are you going? We're just going to go out. We're not going to do anything. She comes back with bags full of shoes. 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 As if we don't have enough. Half of my closet. Her shoes. We got out Christmas stuff. Man, I love Christmas. We get out Christmas stuff. We got Christmas stuff, Brother Johnny strode from one end of the house, slammed to the other. Is everybody all right? Hobby Lobby would be envious <laughs> of what we have strode out through that house. And we, won't, we don't even have what some of y'all have. God's been good to us. He has. But in our pursuit of things, how godly are we? Is the phone a distraction? Is the TV a distraction? Or all the other, all these things that we got to have, we got to have, but we really don't have to have. How much is that hindering our godliness? Godliness, go back to verse number six, if you will. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Are you content tonight? If not, how about we gather around the altar? For a renewing of the mind. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let me say this Paul's not against rich people, the Bible's not against rich people and having riches. Abraham was one of the richest men in the world, Job was one of the richest men in the world. Here in the Bible, here in the chapter, Paul addresses the people that are rich. He doesn't tell them they're going to hell and they're bad and they need to give away all their money. He just says that they are to be careful not to allow their riches and not to trust in their riches over Christ, over God. 
So I'm not, I'm not putting an indictment out on somebody that has money. Just asking the question, are we godly? We're rich. We're rich. If you got a family, you're rich. You got clothes on your back, you're rich. If you got shoes on your feet, you're rich. A, a, a roof over your head, a car to drive, you're rich. You gotta get out of the mindset. We have more than we need, more than enough. Where we're lacking in today's churches, where we're lacking in today's Christians is godliness. I want to be a brother Jim for somebody. I want to be a testimony of somebody that was godly. Somebody that could pray and get a hold of God's ear, get a hold of God's heart. Father, Lord, we love you tonight. Lord, I come to you tonight, and I'm sure as many have. With the wrong perspective. Many times in my life, I demonstrate through my actions that I'm not content. I pursue after things that I have no need for just to end up having them sit around because in a moment I thought that I had to have it. Lord, I pray that I have the same passion and desire for the things of God, for a relationship with you I find myself so oftentimes having for things that don't even matter. Things that are temporal. Things that rust will corrupt. Things that will vanish away. Things that will be useless and worthless over time. God, I pray that I place a value on the eternal things. Laying treasures up in heaven, not here. May I lead my children. Even though they're not in my house, may I lead my children to desire godliness. kids trusting in riches and missing out on you, Lord. I don't want my grandkids trusting in the material things and missing out on you, Lord. Lord, I thank you 
Brother Jim. I know right now he's with you. I know right now. Hey, some sweet conversations going on. God, I pray that every person in here's life impacts somebody else for godliness. Not because of what they have or don't have. Not because of their financial blessings or financial freedoms. God, may we impact our children, our grandchildren, our loved ones by our godliness. May we reflect consistently your character loving others being patient being kind to others being merciful gracious living a life of holiness righteousness compassionate caring sacrificial of our time our talents to our neighbors to our friends our families Thank you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray.